Welcome to Music Journeys, I'm Mike Foley. Thrilled for you to meet Shayna Steele and hear about her latest release, Gold Dust. A splendid mix of original songs and covers, even more remarkable that she initially had no intention of releasing the songs. Here on Music Journeys, Steele explains the inspiration behind them, hints that there could be another volume similar to this in the future, and takes part in the listener favorite segment we call the Fast Five. Shayna Steele, our featured guest on this edition of Music Journeys. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Shayna Steele, and this is my music journey. Oh, waking eyes and an auburn sky. The joy it brings, heaven watching over me. Like a child running free and wild, the landscape never ends. Perfect Frame perfectly ends Shayna Steele's 10-track Gold Dust release, even though the process didn't begin under ideal circumstances. When the pandemic started, I, I thought, I have all the time in the world to write an album, and I had no interest whatsoever. I just was depressed, as most of us were. I wasn't inspired at all. And then uh, I started back at school again, the degree that I didn't finish at Southern Myth. I, I enrolled at Berkeley, and I started to pursue a music degree and it was through the i think the safety of being in a classroom setting or just in a learning setting that i could just create without expectations and that's when i started to write the songs for this album i had no intentions of releasing anything that i was writing but i think because the pressure wasn't there to be like i gotta write for an album that everything that was original or anything that we arranged of, of covers I really like how this makes me feel. I like the way this this sounds. Growing up, music and life had a certain feel for Steele. Her earliest memories of music involve her father, who was in the Air Force. Born in Sacramento, Steele moved with her family to Oklahoma for a short time, then spent about seven years in Germany. I left the United States when I was three. So I don't remember that. I don't remember being in the U.S. So living that European lifestyle, living in the bubble of an Air Force base in Germany was how I viewed life and how I viewed people in general. So when we moved to Mississippi, that was kind of my first taste of what it felt like to live in America. Um, It was quite a culture shock for me. So it definitely affected the way how I viewed the world and how I viewed myself as a child of color, just a mixed child. I didn't really understand that that was rare, that it was um, 
foreign for others to see my family. You know, my father's black and my mother's white. I had two white sisters that I grew up with from from my mom's first marriage. That definitely shaped me into who I was to to become and how I view the world in general, how I view humanity was that move in, gosh, was that 1985? You know, I had some hardships with that as a, as a biracial person uh, on, on both, uh, from both ends, just like not really knowing how I identified or, or questioning how I was viewed by others. It really uh, prepared me for the life that I was going to, you know, embark on when I moved to New York City. What helped you? How do you feel as, you know, that's 1985, we're 2023. Yeah. How do you, how did, how do you feel now? Um, I feel, especially now that I am a parent, I, I'm definitely armed with more information. It's obviously a more diverse community that I live in now, living in the Northeast. It's very different than living uh, down South. Um, I now have a biracial child. So I think that I'm I'm able to be incredibly transparent with her about, you know, what to expect. I mean, when when I show up to school and, you know, our skin color is different from each other, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of kids her age, you know, she's 10. So 10-year-olds are staring at me going, you know, very confused. And I'm able to just be like, I don't know, at first it hurt. And now I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is what it is. And now I just tell her, I was like, this is not going to stop. Like this will happen for the rest of your life, especially as an adolescent. The kids are not going to understand why we're a different color. They're not going to understand why you're calling me mom. And that's okay. So that that's that's where it's different now uh, compared to 1985, all, all the way into the mid 90s, graduating, going into college. It was extremely uncomfortable for me and awkward. And I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to blend in. <laughs> Um, and I did everything in my power to try to blend in with the crowd, but it was just, it was impossible to do. So it was painful, but in the end, it made me strong and it made me fight really hard for what I wanted in regards to my career, the personal life, the friends that I took on, my husband, uh, you know, who I surround myself with. When I moved to New York, I went into the world of Broadway very quickly. I got rent, and this is in 96, so the show was like, it was the Hamilton of Broadway. Everybody wanted to do the show. It was the most like racially diverse, diverse in regards, you know, just being transparent about, about the AIDS epidemic and about the LGBTQ plus rights. Um, it kind of just opened my world to all these just different cultures and different kinds of music. Um, and during that time, my my godfather, who was a huge jazz nerd, jazz aficionado, started sending me records, uh, you know, Miles Davis kind of blue. And Ella Fitzgerald singing the Great American Songbook, Sarah Vaughn, Abby Lincoln. Like he just started sending me CDs. So I had this, I have this huge collection of CDs still to this day of jazz albums and I just started to just kind of dive into them. It, it was my escape because New York was scary for me. It was loud and it was so different than anything um, that I'd ever experienced. Um, so the music was comforting for me. And when I decided I wasn't going to do theater and I was meeting David at the time, who was my musical partner and now my partner in life, he knew so much about jazz and, you know, has a, a jazz music degree from Michigan. and. Uh, 
And he started to introduce me to more music, uh, especially to, you know, to musicians within New York that I wasn't aware of because I'd been so, you know, immersed in the world of Broadway. And he just kind of threw me out there and said, listen to these records and you should just start singing jazz. You should start sitting in. So I started visiting clubs, you know, from small 55 bar people were playing them. Hey, do you want to get up and sing? And I just threw myself into it, into the world of jazz, uh, into that New York scene. And it was the, is the best thing I could have ever done as terrifying as it was. It was terrifying because, you know, you're around all these really great musicians. I was going to the Vanguard. It's still to this day, I go to the Vanguard pretty regularly to see musicians. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't go to school for jazz. I just, I just know I love it. I know that jazz was extremely comforting for me. When I moved to New York, especially when 9-11 happened, music saved me. Music kept me here. It kept me passionate, uh, especially jazz music. And then I was like, well, I guess I should start making some records then. Steele's 2015 album Rise earned the number two spot on the iTunes Jazz Albums chart. Watch Me Fly came out in 2019. Her latest release, Gold Dust, follows a pattern of never committing to a specific sound. I wanted to make an album that was incredibly musical and just kind of captured all the different genres, you know, from rock and roll to blues to jazz. And uh, and I've kind of called it this multi-genre, the Shana Steele sound. I, I don't really know how to put it into a category but i i'm so inspired by i i cannot just like hone in on one style of music uh so i guess it's progressive uh jazz adjacent <laughs> music but i put this album together during the pandemic with david because we were stuck in this house together we're we're both usually on the road and and traveling and then all of a sudden we're here and um this album to me represents just freedom just absolute freedom from the expectations of the business, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. What right. What started it? The Kickstarter actually was Gold Dust Woman, uh, which we named the album after.
David had played it for me and, you know, I, I'm obviously familiar with the Rumors album and uh, Fleetwood Mac. And he played Gold Dust Woman. And when I first heard it, I was just like, how are we going to make this work for, for me? And I, I, usually if I'm deciding to record a cover, I will go check out other versions of the cover just to see how it's done. And a lot of the covers that I saw were s- still very similar to the arrangement that Stevie Nicks had done of the song. And I was like, well, I don't I don't want to do that. It's It's been done. She She made it amazing. And it's very Stevie Nicks sounding, but it needs to sound like a Shana Steele song. So that was that was like one of the first covers that we arranged and it just kind of kicked things off. I'm like, okay, I know where I want to go. It was just instant, like things were just happening right away. We wrote um, or picked a total of like 45 songs and narrowed it down to these 10. So that means we could have Gold Dust Volume 2, Volume 3, maybe coming down the road, maybe? (laughs) Maybe, maybe, yeah. A lot of songs we tried out, we did arrangements of, and we're like, yeah, it's just not going to work for this album. It's just not going to work. So, yeah, maybe Volume 2. Freedom didn't come easy Had to make a lot of noise Had to keep composure he set it in motion a dream worth living for so we grab our try and we're gonna do it right dark sky coming moonless night vigilant The Bloodline definitely holds a special place in my heart. It was uh, written uh, written with a longtime collaborator of mine, Camila Marshall, and uh, this was this was right after the George Floyd footage came out, which I know most of us watched. And so, you know, you we're, we're all getting on the phone with each other, everybody from every race. We're all just like, how do we respond to this? How how do we feel about this? And um, and when I was talking to Camila about it. I said, I feel like I've got, I've got to write something that this is how I use my voice is through music. And I said, but I don't want to write about this very painful situation uh, that we all witnessed. It's, it's gotta be about perseverance and about strength. It wouldn't be great to write about something, you know, the, the hard fight. I think I saw something recently where someone said as a black person, I don't want to always be fighting. I just want to live. I just want to live my life. And I said, well, let's write about that. Like, what's it like to just live and be joyful and be surrounded by by joy, even though sometimes things are really scary and really hard, especially for 
the Black community. That was the inspiration behind the song. What have we witnessed? What have we seen? And how has it made us stronger? How has it made us embrace our community of all, of all races, you know, no matter what your race is, but like how as a community we've come together to kind of lift each other up even when it's been really hard. There's another original I wrote called Goodbye. Goodbye, my best friend. We lived a life together. Sounds like a love song, but it is actually about saying goodbye to kind of like old habits and old, just things that weren't serving me anymore in my personal life. Uh, just as we age, you you start to like think about your future self. <laughs> Sorry, I'm speaking for all the middle aged people in the world. When you get to this age, when things start to hurt, <laughs> you're just kind of like, I wish 20 years ago I hadn't done that, that, and that because I might feel a little, and I feel pretty good. I'm in excellent health. Uh, maybe I need to sleep and may not drink so much vino when I'm out on the road. So that song was actually inspired by. It's time to say goodbye to like these habits that you have in your 20s and 30s. It's time to grow up. So goodbye. It's like mourning the life that was that you thought you could maintain to the end. But it ain't going to happen if you want to feel good. <laughs> hey, wait till you hit the 50s. All right. The, the, everything hurts even more when you're when you're 50. Actually, stretching helps. I, I find that stretching helps. So yeah. Yeah, that's a little tip when you hit the 50s. And uh, meditation. <laughs> want to ask you about a couple that stood out for me the opener just kind of grabs you by the ears and says yeah. pay attention let's go and let's get moving uh what can you tell me about that one i believe to my soul it's a ray charles tune It's actually how I start all of my shows. I'm like, this is how I open a show because it's, if someone comes to a Shane Steele show and they've never heard me before, that just immediately are like, whoa, okay, here's this is what this is. 
I mean, I love Ray Charles. I've been wanting to cover Ray Charles tune forever, but I didn't want it to be like the typical, I never want to cover a song that like everyone expects me to do. It's going to be some obscure, random tune. And the only cover that I could find of it that had any kind of uh, success or play was uh, Donny Hathaway did a arrangement of it. So it's great. It's a great tune. I wanted to ask you about the, the track January. Yeah. I just find it so moving and inspiring and your voice is just mm-hmm. so passionate in that song. And there's a line in there, we will always find our way. How did that one come together? You know, I, I mean, that that definitely is about the trials of relationships, especially long term. Anybody who's been in a long term relationship. I've been with my husband now. I mean, we started dating in 2004 and got married in 2006. So it's been a long time. Not only did we work together, but, you know, we have a family together and a life. We've built a life together. So, of course, the trials and tribulations of that and uh, whatever was going on, it was probably an argument about laundry or whatever that I wrote this. <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah, when I brought the song home, he's like, hey, is this about me? And I'm like, yeah, when ya said this or whatever, but let's, let's write it. It's a great tune. And it, and we both agreed it was a great tune. Great. This, I wasn't thinking that. I, I, I heard the song a different way. I got to listen to it again. This is good. Behind the song. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> My soul down, I surrender. Shed your crown as a gesture. Talk it out to every human. You loosen up, I start to give in. And the fear starts to melt, and the noise becomes a hush. Words aside, our love is hard to find. I need you. I have to ask you about the experience of making this kind of with your daughter around. You know, I I have a son and two daughters and the times that I brought them here around the station, it was great. My wife is a nurse and they've been, you know, to the hospital a few times. It's just super, it's a great experience. As as an artist like yourself, I just, I wonder how valuable that was for, for both of you to just kind of have her around and during the process. I mean inspiring it was inspiring to have kaya around she's such a great kid she's really intelligent she's very musical her joy like her infectious joy is it just felt safe to create an album and have your entire family with you you know we were locked up here it was just the three of us and our dog so it just felt so safe i have the most important people with me as i write this album like i don't have anything to worry about because they're here. And, you know, I brought her on the road. She's toured with me since she was a baby. She's been on, you know, several countries and walked on many stages. And, you know, this is her life. This is normal to her. I feel so much peace when she's with me on the road, even though it's it's an extra step I have to take. I'm entertaining a child and then I have to glam and go on stage and she gets annoyed listening to me warm up and all those things. But um, 
I mean, I just feel so fortunate that we are in a place in our careers that we can bring her with us. And when we can't, that we have a supportive family. I live in a neighborhood where we all, this entire block that I live on, we're all kind of helping each other out with the kids. So I feel so lucky. I really do. Now, does she uh, make you even more hip than you already are? I mean, does she uh, point out stuff that you, you know, mom, you could do it this way or give me some better note, full note value over here. She definitely knows like her way around social media for some reason, even though she doesn't do social media, but, she knows what's hip. Her friends have TikTok and whatnot. So, yeah, I show her the content. She has strong opinions. And a lot of times I'm all like, okay, stop. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely kept me hit. I mean, I went somewhere with her the other day and I'm like in this, you know, I'm in the beanie and like, you know, kind of dry. I had like some high tops on. And I was like, I know that when my mother was 40 something years old, she wasn't running around and like, Air Jordans and like, you know, like, I'm like, I think your mom's pretty hip. She's like, mom, stop. So whatever. The making of this album definitely lets I, and the pandemic in general lets me know that I can do a lot more from home. I know that puts studios out of business. A lot of big studios have closed because of the pandemic and because of home studios. Um, but we really put in the time to build the home studio to a place of like, wow, we can make a majority of this album here. I, I only went in to do live sessions with the band, maybe three days in a, in a big live room studio. And we did everything else right here where I'm sitting. You've been around some big time musicians. Could you share maybe what insight you gained maybe from them that and how you incorporated into your own the way you see things and your own creativity? Absolutely. I am so fortunate. I've worked, you know, uh, behind Bette Midler. She was the first big artist that I sang background for. And I learned an enormous amount of what it meant to not only be an artist like or an an entertainer but also to do it for as long as she has at the level that she's done it at i learned so much from her and i she's been so giving with talking to me about this stuff for for years now i've uh, i've run into her here and there and had so many moments to sit down and just talk to her about music and putting music out she's she's listened to my stuff and is aware of what i'm trying to accomplish she's so supportive Um, great advice. And then I went from her to Rihanna, which was such a shift, completely different artists. But also I, you know, went to work for an artist who had been doing it for a really, really long time. Even though Rihanna's young, she's much younger than I am when I went to work for her, but she'd already been through so much and had so much success to watch her just do everything. Like 
Rihanna proved like you can do everything. You don't have to just sing and write songs and go on tour. You can start a clothing line and a makeup line and become a parent and do this, you know, Super Bowl halftime pregnant. Like she, she is a boss. I mean, like I, that's what I learned from her is you can do it all. If you set your mind to it, you can be that little girl from Barbados. And then I worked for, um, for Kelly Clarkson after that is, you know, right after I had my daughter and I learned from Kelly that you can still have all the success and still be, sorry, my dog is going bananas. Um, Hey, quiet. Um, (laughs) that you can, that you can have this career, um, have the success and still be so humble. Like Kelly's as real as you get as far as like people to hang with, like she is a cool hang. So, uh, I, I learned a lot about what I, what I don't want as an artist and I learned everything about like what I what I'm capable of no limit to what she's capable of in my opinion we had a little more time and fun with Shayna in the fast five here we go in the five minutes we have left a true fast five okay (laughs) I'll try (laughs) Uh, what's the first song that you can remember hearing that you loved Mm, living for the city his mother goes scrub the floors for me It was electric. It was exciting. It was loud. You know, it just hits you hard over the head. It's great too. I mean, I love Stevie Wonder, a huge fan. Oh, you could have a whole Fast Five devoted to Stevie Wonder. Maybe you exactly. will. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, uh, next one is a, a song that makes you feel the most nostalgic or kind of sparks memories for you. Um, Brown Baby. Because my dad used to sing that to me. Brown baby, ooh, you're gonna make your daddy proud. Brown baby. I don't know who recorded I don't know who recorded that. It's so horrible, but that's that's the song I think of. Uh, the way you just sang that, I think you should record that on volume two of uh, Gold Dust. How about that? Yes, yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay, next one is, uh, uh, how about uh, your go-to song for dancing? Oh, anything off the Thriller album. Every single song, every single song from that album is good. It's just, it's my favorite album of all time. It never gets old. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> kind of along those lines, how about the song that makes you feel like working out or uh, you know, maybe motivates you to do something that maybe you don't feel like doing at the time? Um, Eminem, Lose Yourself.
Yeah, when I ran, when I run a couple marathons, so that one really gets me. And also, um, once you get started, a Rufus Shaka Khan. Nice. Okay, uh, yeah. last one is a, a song that lifts you up when you're feeling down. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's hard. Probably Sarah Vaughn singing Time After Time. I tell the story when I do my shows. Um, I actually co I covered this version. Um, when I was in labor with my daughter, I listened to Sarah Vaughn the entire time. So and it, pretty much anything Sarah Vaughn brings me comfort because that's what I wanted to listen to when I was delivering my daughter. Beautifully said. Uh, Sheena Steele, I mean, what a treat. Uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to speak with you and for making this music. I'm so glad you were able to find the, that love for it again. And it's just incredible. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm Mike Foley. Talk to you again on the next Music Journey. Ooh!